Welcome along, uh, everyone, to another episode of Unplayable. Um, I'm joined by Cooper, Dave, Joe. Uh, to We'll review the, the Valspar, which I didn't think much of beforehand, but uh, turned into a brilliant Sunday. It was certainly better than the players the previous week, which Scotty Scheffler ruined for everyone. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on Liv, and we will look ahead at the match play. But there's only one place to start. Cooper, you have been... Um, not firing on all cylinders, we'll say, with the betting for the last few weeks. But Wyndham Clark, a top five finish at the Valspar. What do you have to say for yourself? Fucking redemption, especially especially after he was three over through nine in round one. So I thought it was uh, game over again from the from the gates, but. No, it, um, if you actually look at his round, I think he he, fin- he finished the first round at about one over with a decent back nine, but like he absolutely shot the lights out on Saturday to get himself back up. Um, I didn't catch much of his round now. I really only got kind of the tail end of the Valspar, but um, he, he, like, he has been playing extremely well, and he's a fairly consistent guy for around the kind of 50, 66 to one kind of mark. I think he was 33s last week when he came off. But um, no, he's an, he's, an, he's an unreal golfer. So I think uh, it was more of a bit of a shot in the dark um, and kind of wanted to stay away from any of the favourites last week. And Speed nearly proved that a very wrong strategy if he wasn't such a Jordan Speed type player, as we'll probably get into now in a while. But no, it was uh, I, the, in terms of the back nine on Sunday, like if you were looking at, um, if you went into the, Kind of around eight, yeah, around the eight, ninth kind of turn mark. There was three guys, or there's five or six guys, probably within two shots. And it was great to see the likes of Tommy Fleet will back up there as well, um, alongside Jordan Speed. But it, it really turned into a, as the lad said, um, or as you said, kind of better, a better finish than the players, even despite the field or the lack of depth in the field, seeing as it's not a designated event. Um, but I'm not sure what kind of point it was a turning point. Each player seemed to have their own turning point. Um, whether it was Shanks, I don't know how far the putt was, length of the green um, across, uh, I think it was around kind of 12 or 13. Yeah. And Speed then doing Jordan Speed things, plonking them in the water on 16, hitting them. Unbelievable shot on 17. But now Taylor Moore grinded it out. Uh, it was in terms of kind of playing a few holes ahead of the guys and posting a kind of score at 10 under to, chat, to catch. Shank was very unlucky on 18, um, ended up with one of the memes of the week um, with his hands on his knees afterwards, ball finished behind a tree and um, gave it gave it a good rattle as well at the 18th in terms of um, definitely not leaving it short. But no, it was a, an unbelievable finish. And yeah, in terms of actual 
uh, again, going back to the word product that we've spoken about so much over the last few weeks, it, it ended up being an incredible finish. So it shows that we don't need designated events and completely kind of absolutely stacked fields to, to have a really good golf tournament to watch. That's definitely true. I mean, I didn't pay that much attention to it as an event at all, really, until the Sunday. And then um, I suppose seeing Spieth and Fleetwood up around the leaderboard made it uh, a little bit more exciting for the casual fan. But then um, the back nine that ensued was absolutely brilliant. But Joe, speaking of Spieth, okay, he didn't get the job done, but he has obviously contended here. He ended up coming third. He contended at Bay Hill. He loves Augusta. He's got to be feeling pretty good about himself um, before a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's he's on an upward curve this year, um, 100%. He's just featuring on the leaderboards more. I think Bay Hill, as you said, he was like, I think he was leading with a couple of holes to go where he was definitely in, he was in the driving seat anyway. And I think he'd four bogeys in his last six. And obviously, put the ball in the water on 16 on Sunday. But up to that point, I think he had three birdies and, and 12 pars. Very solid, you know, unspeak, like I think Cooper referenced there. Um, that, like, him him playing a consistent uh, consistent kind of game like that is something that's kind of, I think, like, Greller would love. You know, he's just so... He, he's so un, uh, unpredictable, but um, but then obviously he he went and did it on 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 sixteen and uh, made a great made a great bogey. Yeah, it has to be said, like it was it was um it was a top one because where the ball crossed the line, obviously he had to had to take his third shot as it was from fairly far back, um, and then yeah, you would have expected him to hold that putt in seventeen, but I I I think he's looking very good for Masters. I like. He loves that place, as you said. It does feel like he's only won it once, but it is it is yeah, one of those that feels like he's won it three times. He's been in contention so many times. Obviously, handed it to, to Danny Willett there, there back in 2016. Um, but he's he just seems to love the place. I think was it. I think last year he didn't have a great performance, but was it before that he he had top? I think it was top 12 in in six years straight or something. It was it, something phenomenal. Um, and we know Augusta suits guys like more than others. Um, so yeah, no, it, it was a it was a very strong performance, and um, yeah, kind of like looking at him at the match play this week as well. It was kind of like obviously, do you remember in the Presidents last year? He had his five for five for five um, wins. Oh, yeah. So he's uh, he's he's obviously a strong match player. Um, you know, I think. He's never won this event, the WGC. But yeah, I, I think Augusta on the horizon. <clears throat> um, ha- have your eyes on speed. But it was a pity about Tommy as well. I would have liked to see Fleetwood pick up the pick up the trophy on Sunday. Obviously, is yet to win the PGA Tour. Has six six wins on the DP World Tour, but hasn't managed to close it out um, yet. But he's still <clears throat> he's still got plenty of time. I think the putter went a bit cold in him, and he had a bit of trouble on the bunker there. Coming in the back nine, um, my, was it made six in that par five? But it was only four, four bogeys in the whole field all day, and he made the fifth. Obviously, coming in at the end. So, um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a pity about that. But um, he's also shown some good form. Obviously, at the players, um, good finish, bad, bad, bad back nine. But he, you know, he was featuring on that leaderboard. Um, so yeah, it was no, it was a good event. I agree. With the, I agree with Cooper. 
Um, it was uh, it offered a good bit, and that snake pit finish is. Um, I don't think I'd enjoy playing it myself. Now it was it was causing some havoc. The uh, the thing about speed, though, I was <clears throat> I was starting to think about him for the Masters as well, and clearly the performances suggest his his game is trending in the right direction. But you would have to be concerned about his his lack of finishing power these days. I mean, there you've just mentioned two events where he was more or less in control of that he wasn't able to get the job done. One of the designated events with with a with a huge leaderboard around him in in Arnold Palmer, and and last week the Valspar was it was just like. He was wasn't exactly surrounded by superstars. It was just you were just expecting him to to put his foot down and 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 just see it out. And it's it's quite concerning to see a player of his caliber under pressure hitting hitting a tee shot like he did on sixteen. Um, like that was that was so far off the off the charts, right? Like it was he nearly missed the lake on the other side of it. Never mind, uh, never mind anything else. And then the, like it was very unspeak like. To hit that tee shot into seventeen and not convert the chance, mm. I think. I think you know the bogey he made on sixteen after the tee shot was absolutely phenomenal. Um, because he had to drop it nearly at the start of the lake because that's where it crossed. That's how that's how poor the tee shot was. And I really thought that once he once he was able to get over the line with that bogey, <clears throat> that and the tee shot in seventeen that he would convert. And the fact that he didn't do that and the fact that. You know, more or less being in control of the Arnold Palmer with six holes to go and making four bogeys and falling out of contention there. Um, like you'd have to say, overall his game's in a good place. But whether that, whether the last few weeks make him believe that he's any closer to getting over the line in a major again, I don't think so. I mean, the recent history would suggest that if he's a lead on the back nine in Augusta, it's not a comfortable place for him to be at the moment. So, um, he'd almost be one of those players where you'd nearly want him to be if you had money on him. You'd nearly want him to be three or four back going into the back nine and, and have one of those one of those special back nines we've seen over the years for players at Augusta to come come from behind and win it. Um but yeah, overall I think it was it was actually a very enjoyable, very enjoyable Sunday. Um and I think um Shank was quite it was, it was hard to know how to say the guy's name. Some people yeah, what a Shank. bad name for a golfer. Yeah, did you see the group that he played in the Corn Ferry a few years ago? Um he played alongside two guys called Hack and Yip. Um, which <laughs> honestly sounds like it's completely made up but I saw online I actually saw the scoreboard that they carried around with Chang Kak and Yip on it so um, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have fancied being um, behind those guys but um, he thought I thought he was very unlucky with that tee shot on 18 and then I really thought the I thought the interaction with the caddy was brilliant just before he played the left handed second shot like the, the caddy basically did everything in his power, sure to take it, the club out of his hand to try to get him to take an unplayable and not hit it left-handed. And then he ended up hitting it so well that he actually went over to the far side of the fairway, having thinking that he, he might have struggled to get on the fairway in the first place. Um, I think he so had to I do think, that. I think he made yeah. that right, right choice. I mean, like he was absolutely dead. Obviously, it was a bad tee shot, but he got unlucky being against the tree. He had to take a risk and hit it left-handed. I thought I thought it said a lot about him because it was him trying to win the golf tournament. It was him realizing that he needed to win the golf tournament, and they're, they're sorry that that was the the best way to do it. And like the caddy maybe was was thinking dollar signs, um, yeah, rather than than winning. And as it turned out, <clears throat> the caddy ended up being the winner because Speed missed that short. Speed missing that short put on the last gave Shank another one hundred and sixty two thousand dollars. 
Um, so it ended up working out quite well for him. But yeah, no, I thought that said a lot for him and for a man who obviously hasn't been in contention um, that often in his career at that level. I thought it was a brave decision and the right one. Um, and it would have actually been a good story because I don't know if you saw in the coverage, his wife is eight months pregnant and she'd flown in that morning and walked the course with, with, with him. So it actually would have been a nice story. But but to be fair to Moore, he he, he came from nowhere and, and like, the, those couple of birdies he made on the last few holes, obviously Joe mentioned how tough they were playing. I think they were one of a handful of birdies on those holes during the entire day. So you can't take it away from him. He he put he put a number up that those guys were always going to struggle to certainly to beat. I thought one of them might get a playoff, but no one was beating that number. Um, and so you have to give you have to give him a lot of credit because it's not a position that he's been into often either. Mm. Just going back on the Jordan Speed thing, though, he's such a fascinating player. I mean, when he was burst onto the scene, he came on and he was so young and winning majors at the age of 21. I always looked at him and thought that his, not what, I mean, what do I know about the golf swing? But I always thought his swing just wasn't as good as his game was. And for me, that meant that it was his mentality that just got him, got him to where he was. So he had like a, a middle of the range golf swing, but just, his mentality was incredible and it showed like, I mean, winning those three majors at such a young age, he's won tournaments by all in bunker shots on the last hole. He's, he's done all that sort of stuff. Looking at him now, he doesn't have that. I mean, the scar tissue that he built up from that meltdown at Augusta on the 12th, um, back in 2016, as, as you guys referenced when he handed it to Danny Willett, he has obviously won since and, and all that, but he just seems like a different player. And, and even though this, on the back nine, like the round that he played on Sunday at the Valspar, he, he was so solid, as he, as he said, unspeech-like, wasn't making mistakes. And then he hit that wild tee shot into the water on 16 and made that brilliant bogey. But he just doesn't have that same charisma on the golf course or that same whatever-it-is mentality that... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, as you say, Dave, when he gets himself into a position on Sunday, years ago, he would grab the bull by the horns and he would just get it done. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't I don't see that being the case for him. Yeah. Um, look, I don't, like, I don't see him as an ice cold killer anymore. <clears throat> I think, like, that reputation, you know, that went into Ray's Creek along with his ball on the 12th in, in 2016. But... I do see him still as a very charismatic and enjoyable golfer to watch. I think he's one of the most, like, if once I noticed speed was on the leaderboard in a tournament like the Valspar <clears throat> last weekend, it, it piqued my interest because you just know that it's going to be entertaining. You know that there's going to be fireworks. And, like, that was almost the notable thing about his round on Sunday until 16 was the fact that he hadn't had a bogey. I mean, when I was looking at his card and seeing Jordan Speed 13 pars and two birdies, I was like, this is the most unspeak like performance you could possibly imagine. And then, you know, the entertaining speed arrived on 16. And, and almost what was more surprising to me was that he did, as I said, that he didn't follow it up with the birdie on 17 after he hit the, the excellent tee shot. Like I still think, I still think speed is box office. And I don't think that there's a top, I'm going to say I don't think there's a top 10 player like him. I know he kind of flits in and out of the official top 10. But I think in my mind, Speed is, is a top 10 player in the game, like, you know, in terms of his record over the last years, whether it be in majors, in Ryder Cups and just stature. I don't think there's a top 10 player like him in, in, in terms of box office entertainment and in not being able to 
expect what happens next next and i think that's why a lot of people love him like as in i don't think i would be comfortable watching jordan speed with any leads and in any golf tournament let alone the masters but it, but that the other side of it is is that you also know that you could watch him hit from one side of the back nine of augusta to the other and still end up winning the golf tournament and i think that's what makes him so interesting but and that's and like that's the antithesis of a scotty scheffler <clears throat> like jordan speed's never going to He's never going to grind and kill a golf tournament like Scheffler did with the players. Like that's that's why that's what makes him so entertaining, and it's also what makes him less successful than um than, than possibly he should have been. But it is what he he, he probably was that in twenty fifteen. Like I don't think he was outside <clears throat> of the top ten or sorry even a top five maybe in the majors in twenty fifteen, and picked up two of them. Um, there was probably a what a two year three year stretch of proper just this guy is. The best golfer in the world, bar a few glaring errors. Um, but it's I, I remember going to I don't know if you saw him in the pro am, Joe in the dare. Um, he was probably one of the first guys out on the range, and some of the kind of drills he was doing to get his hands to cock at the top at the right time just seems like it's not as natural a swing as the likes of McElroy in terms of just pure fluid. There just seems to be a lot of mechanics going on, and you'd wonder when he gets into these kind of positions. Is he kind of trying to go through these drills? He's trying to get to the right positions and he's not really focusing on, I guess. Well, not that he's not focusing on, he's focusing on too many things. Whereas McElroy, mm. I know he's uh, he's obviously prone to errors as well, but there just seems to be far more mechanics going on in the back of his head when he's trying to make these swings. And when you're in the the, the pressure cooker, it just, uh, yeah, it just amplifies any small mistakes. Well, yeah, I... I'd agree that like left arm follow through the kind of winged left arm that he's always had is so unique. Um, but I, like going back as well to Con, remember we were watching the 2017 Birkdale Open. I think we were watching it together and his tee shot on 13 that day that went with that he blew right. I think Dave, you might have been at that one. Um, but like the time he took obviously to take that drop but knowing you know using the knowledge he had and knowing he was so composed that whole time um and i think a lot of guys in that position probably would have faltered and maybe would have made the wrong decision go back to the tee or something um but like he what he offers like at those kind of times and obviously where he dropped there hit a good shot but what he did proceeded to do he held two rakers obviously um part three and it was even more you know, it was a, even more a pleasure for us to watch against, I think, Kucher, um as yeah. well. So, so uh, yeah, I think he he still, I think, as Dave said, top 10, he's, he, he like, the swashbuckling style, the kind of, you know, unexpected, um, what he's going to deliver. Um, he still has that, but I think, yeah, the killer instinct, probably, he doesn't, he doesn't, I think, put fear in other players, maybe like he did back back then. Um, but he's still he's definitely one of the one of the names I look for on a leaderboard. Yeah. But that's <clears throat> that's six years ago now, Joe. And like if you remember like that that's that Jordan Speed win and that Jordan Speed round is almost exactly what we we're talking about here. Like he if you remember, like obviously thirteen is the is the most notable thing that happened, but he went into that he went into that final round with a two or three shot lead. He had already blown that lead by the time he reached 13. Then 13 happens, and then he goes and wins the golf tournament, 14, 15, 16. Like, that was the speed of then, and that's, I think, what I'm questioning now is that he he can get himself into those positions 
and he's he clearly still has a 13 in him because he did it he that that t-shirt he had on 16 was almost as far right and that was with a three wood on sunday as that driver on 13 in birkdale but then he didn't follow it up with the he didn't follow it up with Very the finish nice. he didn't follow it up with the with the yeah with the birdie mm-hmm. or or even like the second shot at the last was was quite tame like on sunday like he needed it was he so easy I mean, it needed to get up that ridge just for for that but, second. Yeah, but you needed. But if you were trying to win the tournament, you I thought you needed to take take the risk that it would go over the back of the green, even though that was dead man, dead man territory. But like you know, a par was no good to speed at that point. You needed to make a birdie, and it just it, it, I don't know. It just like it felt like it just felt like the stuff that had been knocked out of him. Whereas I think previously. The speed of old, the speed of 2017 would have knocked the birdie in on 17 and would have taken that flag on at 18. And for better or for worse, that would have been what 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 happened. But all of this isn't to take away from Jordan Speed as a character. And like he is, as I say, he's absolutely box office. And I struggle to think of a top player that that piques my interest more at the top of a leaderboard than he does because you just never know what's going to happen. Um, to, his own, to his own detriment. <laughs> to his own detriment, yeah. I mean, in fairness, like you give me, you can, you can give me Scotty Scheffler running about the players. You know, take or leave that. But that's Jordan's it, beat. isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it funny though? Because like the players last week, we we spoke about it in detail last week at how flat that was as a tournament, and um, and it just shows as a fan, there's the golfing element, but there's the there's obviously the personality element too when you're looking at these players. Like Scotty Scheffler just drives me mad when I see his name on the leaderboard. I'm absolutely mm. fuming. Whereas I think we're all in agreement when you see a Jordan Speed up there, just captures your attention. You know, yeah. you, you, but I'm sure gonna... I'm, I'm sure Scotty Scheffler is not like personally, you know, wishing he was Jordan Speed in terms of golf game either. So like it's it's well, a, true. It's, yeah, it's a catch twenty two. I'm sure Scheffler every time that he steps up on the back nine of a big tournament with a lead, wants to do exactly what he did a couple of Sundays ago and just grind the life and soul out of everyone and everything in front of him for nine holes. Whereas, uh, and I'm sure Jordan Speed wishes that just once he could do that. Like, because if he'd have gone back, if, he, if he'd have gone back to the 16T on Sunday at the Valspar and hit the fairway, then he probably, we probably would be talking about a speech Scheffler-esque performance where he wins a golf tournament without making a bogey on the final day. Well, in in the players itself, Speed should not have been there probably at the weekend. If you remember his his thirty sixth uh, hole tee shot, blew it right and hit a fan and went oh, back essentially yeah. the fairway. And then he made eagle. You know, he yeah. probably should have he probably should have missed the cut there. And then he goes and makes eagle. Um, yeah. And that's that's the kind of that's the kind of player he is. Like like if he was standing on seventeen with a five shot lead, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be turning the TV off, let's say, on the, on the no. sawgrass. Hmm. No. Did, uh, I wonder the, the, the kind of one of the things I took from that, um, from the full swing documentary, specifically the one with Scheffler, is like, I think in terms of kind of uh, religious golfers, Bob Watson is the first one to come to mind, but um, Scheffler seems to have that as well. And I can't remember, was the quote from the documentary or have I just read it before, but he kind of, says it's in God's hands. So when he's kind of thinking like that, if you're five shots clear, if you're really that kind of dead certain that like your fate is your fate, or if you're kind of letting it out of your own head in terms of trying to take pressure off yourself, but like literally thinking in your own head, 
whatever I do here doesn't really matter. It's going to happen anyway because of because of Lord Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's that's that is an interesting one. Sorry. Just in terms of the psychology of maintaining these kind of leads and not um, not getting in your own way, really. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should all take up go back to mass on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, well, you studied psychology in college, didn't you? So you'd know all about it. But no, I think that is true, though. Like it, it almost relaxes him the fact that he can push that aside and say whatever happens is out of my hands. It's our Lord and Savior Jesus I, Christ. I don't, I, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that for one second. To be honest, not <laughs> but even. Do you not see it as a psychological thing, though? If it was true, I yeah, but I just don't think that. I just don't think that the best golfer in the world at the moment can possibly be standing there thinking this is in God's hand. He knows it's in his hands. He knows that how good he is. No, no, I, to- I know what you mean, Dave. I totally agree as well. There has to be some element of why would he? Why would he like? Why would he? Why would he bother reading his puts then? <laughs> well, like, now we're getting into a deep conversation about. <laughs> it's not a deep. It's not. It's not a deep conversation at all. It's like it's if if if, if like why would he bother? He was a winning putt to win. A golf tournament, sure. What will be will be. Why? Why will I bother read it? Sure. Ted Scott can just take take a take a few minutes to himself over in the corner as well. Just step up and knock it in one handed. It was meant to be. I, know, I I I know what you mean in the sense of like, if if you believe what will be will be, and to be fair to Scheffler, I don't think he rams it down anyone's throat the same way that that well, not that I've seen anyway. The same way like Bubba Ward or even Webb Simpson is another one that always comes to mind, but. Yeah. Like at the same time, I think you know, he if if he really believes that it's out of his hands, then what what would be the motivation to put the work in? Yeah, I'm just trying to find some reason as to why he's literally unstoppable some Sundays and ruining our viewing. I think though, it's like we said, it's like we said last week, it won't last with Scheffler, it, it doesn't last. And like Speed said, again, we spoke about Speed last week, it's a prime example of Speed's run 2015 to 17. Um, like and now look six years later we're talking about him in a completely different frame yeah speed went that he might have went a few years like could have been three or four years without a win after that kind of spurt mm. after the 2015 masters mm. can you yeah. see Sheffield doing that going on a drive uh, possibly not to the same extent but like i think this is his run that's why i think he's so yeah. dangerous at the moment is that that's why i think he'll win another major this year because i think this is his hot streak I agree. We we should before we get to the match play. Uh, I want to touch on live. So uh, okay. I, I I watched the well. I, sorry, I watched the twenty five minute highlights on um, my commute home from the city the other day, uh, and it was actually good. The finish was good because you had a four man playoff with Danny Lee, uh, Louis Ustase, and uh, the great Brendan Steele, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Ortiz, Danny Lee won it, um, the New Zealander. So, uh, but no, it was actually decent. It was on in Tucson, but I know you guys don't don't give a shit about that. So I'll talk about the the. War. Well, we're not the we're not we're not the only ones that don't give a shit because America's funniest animals beat it in the ratings again last week, and <laughs> and, the, and the Val the Val Sparrow also was up in the stratosphere compared to it. So, um, you are you are one of the few. That cares. So please, 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 please do tell us and everyone else what we're missing. Yeah, but for it's... an unbiased, for an unbiased golf podcast, we need to cover everything. So we we'll let contact take the fall. Yeah, I'll take the fall for the live um situation. But so 
looking at the the bigger picture with Liv, so apparently they're experiencing some teething issues. So um, some examples of this. Last year, the lunch room was described as a decadent buffet, whereas this year it's cold sandwiches and pre-packed cookies, and the players are not happy about it. So apparently uh, also the players signed their contracts last year under the condition of 10 events this year and then 14 events next year, but they've moved it to be 14 events this year. Um, so an extra four with no guaranteed money. Um, and there's something funny as well about the team purses. Now, I couldn't really get crystal clear information on this, but it's, apparently um, last year the players kept their share of the team purses, whereas this year the money that they they win goes back into the team somehow. Um, yeah. They're trying to grow the franchise, but that seems strange to me. But in in fairness, Ke- Kevin now offered some perspective saying that players have made a shit ton of money and will continue to make a shit ton of money and these details don't matter. But Dave, to your point, the viewing figures uh, have been released for this most recent event in Tucson and they weren't great. So they weren't great the first week uh, in Mayakoba. And they were down even further. So, as you say, what is it? Uh, America's Funniest Animals got greater viewing. Allegedly, we see the difficult thing just on the viewing figures is the difficult thing is even for Liv, like it's not even on TV on Friday. Uh, it's on it's on the CW app. CW remembers the the channel that that covers it now in the states. So it's on their app just on a Friday. So, like a fifty four hole tournament is, is essentially a thirty six hole tournament for the purposes of TV, like which is which is a difficult place to be. I think, um, like, in the States, generally speaking, Thursday, Friday are on the Golf Channel, which is pay-per-view in, in America, and then the Saturday, Sunday will be on, you know, your CBS, NBC. So, like, a lot of people don't have access to the weekend of the PJ Tour, but at least it's on TV Thursday, Friday, somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff, Alan Shipnuck, uh, wrote about uh, Live Tucson. I think um, a lot of that stuff came out of the article con. But yeah, it seems like there is teething problems, and it seems like you know there was a, a spicy enough players meeting in in Tucson last week where some people aired some grievances. Um, and I think they are clearly all in on this team model, and you know the money is going to stay within the teams, and the players are going to be play, paid out of the teams, etc. Seems to be what the but the thing is, and they seem to be quite confident that they're going to get nine-figure sums um, for these teams, which is genuinely astounding to me because, like, nobody's watching it. Like, I just can't understand how someone would. I just can't understand how someone would would come at, would pay you know that 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 kind of money for you know the range goats um, when there's no one even there's no one even following the thing. Um, so I I don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't sound like all as well in Saudi lands to me, um and these cutbacks you know if you remember one of the one of the things that was trotted out by people trying to justify their their move to live initially was that you know oh everyone's treated so well the caddies are treated so well where expenses are all paid for that's all being cut now so it'll be very interesting to see how well people think they're being treated when it's a it's a cold. Uh, cheese and ham sambo instead of a, a decadent spread in the lunchroom for, for the players and caddies. I will say in terms of like live as a <clears throat> like as a business, if you kind of if you look at it and pretend it's a startup and last year was free to view on YouTube, 
throwing money at it, just burning money to try and get the best possible product they could build in terms of getting players on board, um, building it up, hyping it up, putting fucking Snoop Dogg on the stage in Florida, whatever it is. And then before they had any traction, really, when you look at the numbers, they didn't really have any traction. Um, they've gone ahead and tried to monetize it, or at least they're basically trying to drag people away from a billion plus potential users on one app on YouTube to this closed app within CW and whatever else they're going to view it around the world. Like, I think they, they should have definitely left it for one more year on a free to view mm -hmm. platform to try and see if they could grow it. Whereas any of the kind of growth that they might've gotten now has been completely squandered. Like, I don't know if you can even get it in OzCon if you wanted to watch it. On no, the it's, a, it's actually a very good point. Yeah, maybe they would have just, all joking aside, been tried to just build the audience at all costs and not take on any money. So they had to, as in they literally needed to show that there was some sort of product market fit before trying to bring it into a closed ecosystem or making people download a live app to stream it. Like they've, if if they thought they were going to get the kind of volume they needed after twelve months or after one season, it just adds to the delusion of live. If they genuinely thought that that was a long enough spell of time to to grow an audience that would actually convert over to some sort of a kind of separate silo or a private um a private app or whatever whatever way they want to do it but yeah it's um it's again going back to a startup analogy the vcs are looking for the return or looking for some growth now and I, they just don't have it it's i think it's going to be a very rocky like we're we're past the hype now of throwing six figures of players or sorry nine figures of players or high seven figure um numbers at them and it's now a case of, um, yeah, show us show us the return on this. And as you said, Dave, totally agree. Anyone that's willing to spend over 100 million euros to sponsor one of those teams should be sacked from whatever the company is. And that's essentially how they think they're going to build these like franchises is through yeah. massive marketing ploys or massive kind of um, campaigns with brands who want to build an entire identity around them. It's just it's it's delusional and yeah it's not even here, but now it's just coming through it's not even good sports watching either because like success is part of good sports watching and this is not a success and the players are starting to get pissed off now and i i genuinely think like they all well obviously i genuinely think they all went for the money but they, i think genuinely think now that that some of them are looking at the the size of the purses and the on the PGA Tour, they must be thinking themselves, especially now that they're not going to be able to access the money that they thought they were, if you believe this report, um, that, they, they, that they've made a mistake. Um, like, it's very difficult to, to imagine how they haven't come to that conclusion because, you know, they, a lot of them were promised world ranking points. Obviously, that hasn't happened. Um, you know, fair enough, they can, they can play in the majors if they have their exemptions. But, you know, essentially you could make as much, if not more money on the PGA Tour. You didn't have to associate yourself with a toxic brand and you still had access to majors and Ryder Cups, etc. If you didn't go to live is the way things are. And now you're playing on a like second-rate tour that nobody cares about, that nobody watches. Um, and, you know, it's just not, it's just not what they signed up for. Surely you can't be. 
Yeah, it's bad for it's bad for everyone. It's bad for those players you mentioned. It's bad for I think the the Saudi guys as well. Charles Howell the third winning, and then Danny Lee winning. I think is a nightmare scenario for them as well. Like was Charles Howell had what two or three wins in six hundred and odd appearances on PGA Tour. Danny will Danny Lee had one win in three hundred and three appearances or something to that effect. So definitely not the the traction. They won't. They won't get the traction from players like that winning, um, and the top guys are noticeably absent from these leaderboards as well, like the likes of Bryson, Cam Smith, DJ. Even this year, I know he played well last year on it. Um, like they're all underperformed massively, and you just have to think that they've realised how it's not actually a competition. They just have to show up, and they've already earned their mm-hmm. few quid, and it's. Um, yeah, I'd say a few people are definitely kind of reflecting on their decision now and thinking there's one there's one tour I'd rather be on right now. And I think I think the likes of Charles Hill the third and a couple of the players are probably the only ones that are happy. Although the, yeah, he he's another example. If he is actually playing well, it's it's very hard to gauge. Obviously, with the with the with the field that he's playing, like he's not in the Masters, obviously, um, and he's a he's a Georgia native, I think. So. Um, you know, maybe he's even reflecting off. I, you know, had been playing this well in the PJ Tour, I'd definitely be in it. Um, so yeah, there's there's got to be some some feelings there. I think from from all the guys, it's um, yeah, it's a strange place, strange place for them to be. They were playing I, at Dove, Dove Mountain as well, weren't they? Um, last weekend, that that was yeah. the old match play venue. Yeah, and speaking of the match play, like it, it's then it's detrimental to the fans because you know I know I think. This week, for the first time, the likes of Kepka actually fell out of the top 100. Now, Kepka, as as we would have known and would have seen for anyone who watched Full Swings, already on the decline, but not quite the the level of decline that would have had him outside the top 100. All things being equal, but like when you look at the the feel for the match by this week, it isn't obviously as strong because these lads aren't in it. So like you you are missing, you know, five to ten guys who would have. Would have made this a stronger event so like everyone loses the fans lose then as well as a result of it so it, it un, un, unfortunately and quite predictably live is turning out exactly as we thought it would uh this time last year there was one um one great uh tweet from uh, van valkenberg one of the no laying up guys uh said kind of he was talking about the live events and um is um are they or are live events kind of losing their appeal or losing any appeal they had because the idea of all these good players playing against each other isn't kind of transcending or isn't coming across and Lee Westwood replied with a few laughing emojis and his his next reply was uh hi Lee thanks for the follow um do you think that it's good for the live brand that yourself and Bryson haven't broken 70 only once in the last 12 rounds <laughs> so Jeez. like Right. It's just like even Westwood, maybe, yeah, totally. This is his retirement money, but for someone like Bryson to be playing that bad as well, like literally one of the faces of the entire thing, and he's broken 70. It's the lack of um meaning behind the whole thing. Like, so I, I watched it as I said, and there was a couple, a couple of things, a couple of thoughts that I had from actually watching it. It's that firstly, the shotgun start doesn't work at all from a viewing perspective because having everyone finish up at the same time, especially when it's tight. For me, it doesn't actually look good at all because you don't know what's going on. Whereas when you're watching a normal event where everyone finishes on the last hole in the 18th, you know how it's playing. And I don't know, it builds a lot better. So it looks bad when it's the shotgun start. 
But the, the other point, I do think if the world rankings change and they can get world rankings, it does change it a little bit because right now it's 100% feels like an exhibition. You're watching them, you're like, this is completely meaningless. But if there is like a, another meaning associated to it, like there is in the PGA Tour, like I don't care who wins the FedEx Cup really on the PGA Tour, but you care about what's on around. Um, and if Liv had that element where the players were playing for world ranking points, trying to get into majors, like you know they would genuinely care when they're coming down the stretch because that that's uh, they're not just playing for the money. Whereas you know, like I'm watching Louis Ustazen coming down the stretch there, and he's he you know he did well. He, he did well under pressure for those uh, last couple of holes and in the playoff. But you know that he doesn't give a shit because it's only money. Whereas it w- it would matter if he's coming out of the stretch. And it Con, like, sorry, but welcome to the real world. Like, this is literally what we've been saying for nine months. Yes, but I, yeah, my point, though, is that does it change if they get world rankings? But they're not going to get world rankings. And if they if they do like based on Danny Lee and Charles Harold the third winning competitions, they have to be worth a tenth of what they are in the PGA Tour. Like they're not they're not getting they're not getting world ranking points. So it's a it's a moot point, I'm afraid. But also like yeah, like they're playing for money, shotgun starts, no cuts, tournaments you never heard of, people you never heard of, no one watching. Welcome to live, um, baby. Con's gonna be given a a VIP media pass now to Adelaide and he's yeah. going to come back and he's going to come back with more ammo than he's ever had say this, <laughs> yeah. this is the future of golf <laughs> I'm going to taste those uh, cold Hamishy sandwiches um, right that that's probably enough live waffle let's have a little look at the match play because match play is I usually enjoy it I, I enjoyed it more when it was on in Arizona um, for, for whatever reason but um so for context, top 64 players in the world. Uh, it's the only match play tournament that we'll see all year outside of like the team events like Ryder Cup and President's Cup. Um, used to be straight knockout. And I used to kind of like that because if you lost your first match, if you had a shocker in your first game um, and uh, you were beaten after 12 or 13 holes, you were sent packing and I kind of like that. Uh, but a few years ago, they changed it, revamped the, the format. So it's split into groups of four and it's round robin. The winner of each group progresses. Um, Joe, I kind of enjoy it. It's a decent break from the normal the normal rhythm of a stroke play. Yeah, love us. always love the match play. Um, yeah, like yourself, I, really, I always enjoyed the Arizona one as well. It might just be nostalgia. You know, there was, there was a couple of crackers <clears throat> there over the years. Um, I mean, not an, not not one of the ones in Dove Mountain, but the, the Tiger Woods-Stephen Ames match obviously comes to mind. Nine and eight after after Stephen Ames' comments. That was that was always a good one. Um but yeah, it's 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 a good uh, it's a good change, I think, um, from from the from the norm. A, a unique tournament in that, like the 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 Sunday ticket is probably the least valuable um, to this to this event because you could have, you know, um, Watson against Kevin Kisner um, uh, on Sunday in your final, which is not something anyone really wants to watch, um, but. Yeah, the flip side of that, the, the 
the, the, the this um bracket format is is interesting i used to like the straight knockout but the, the bracket format actually does have a lot of strengths because the friday can be can be great like you've got the way they the way they um do the seeds and the matches um is that the top seed and the second seed uh, are playing on friday so um you have the kind of two strongest players in the group uh going at it um on that day and then obviously um when there's a tie in a group um if two guys have two wins or whatever they have that mini mini uh, final they have a they have a playoff to see who comes out of the group um and uh and that's always that's always an interesting one i think it was garcia a couple of years ago went up against westwood and uh made a hole in one on the on the playoff hole and that was that was pretty good good to see westwood second as well um and uh yeah there's always there's always some uh there's always some um good kind of i think matches during the week if you look at john ram's group this week he's in a group keep mitchell Ricky Fowler and um, I can't remember who the the the, fo- the fourth is, but it's someone. Um, it's Billy Horschel who's won it a couple of years ago. So um, that that could be that could be an interesting group itself. Um, I don't know. Don't think you mentioned there, Con, but I think this is the the last edition of the the match play, um, and it's the last the last WGC event. Um, we'll ever see most likely. I mean, essentially, they've been replaced by the the designated events, obviously. Um, so after 20, 24 years or something of the WGCs, um, this is this is the final one. So hopefully, they they can replace this. There's no there's no match play scheduled for twenty twenty four at the moment. Um, hopefully, they can they can they can uh, get an event. Um, there was rumors. Or, well, I think it, it's pretty um, accurate that uh, Austin Country Club, where it's been played this week, um, asked for more money um, for the event off the PJ Tour. PJ Tour weren't happy, and that made part of the decision. I think to to let it go. Um, it might have been going already when they when they decided on the those new designated events next year but um that was definitely a reason apparently for it so um yeah i yeah, I, I love it it's a it's a change uh, you know from week to week um stroke play events um so i'm looking forward to a couple of the, these uh these tasty matches the first couple of days anyway yeah it's a, i think it's a huge pity if there's no match playing the schedule like it because it really is a, a nice change of pace and and i think like you mentioned, Joe, that Friday, the Friday evening of this is is absolutely brilliant. The the conclusion of the groups and you end up with some of those three man playoffs and like <clears throat> the way that they the way that they seem to do it is just they'll randomly arrive with a playoff on top of you after you haven't heard how the group like the group finished in regulation about an hour beforehand and then all of a sudden it's like oh here we go with another playoff brilliant and um, so it's just it, it they've they've really actually nailed that and yeah like the like. The reason there's the another reason why the match play is going off the event is the same re, or off the schedule is the same reason why the event changed from straight knockout to to this round robin is players hated it like players hated going to Arizona, showing up on a Wednesday and getting hammered and going home like that's simply that 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 well that's part of it and then the second part of it is TV and um, like nobody wants to watch Billy Horschel versus Kevin Kisner on a Sunday evening like that's just the unfortunate reality of it um. It's not good for ratings, and it's it's not good for it's not good for the product. But um, it is only once a year, so I mean, I'm willing to I'm willing to suck it up. And then, all, like when you do look at the when you look at the bracket as well, like 
you know, there are there is the possibility of a Sheffler Ram final, a Sheffler McElroy final. Like, I mean, it is unlikely, but it is a possibility. So, um, you know, that is kind of the dream scenario, I guess, for the event. But I think, yeah, it's 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 a rare it's a rare breed in the sense that, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are probably the best days of the event. Um, because obviously, the the further it goes on, the slower the pace gets. A lot of hate for King Kays here, lads. Big fan. He loves. He's loves got a, he, He's got an absolutely phenomenal record at this event. Like, this. yeah, he's, he's five. He's five to one to win his group. Now I'm not. Yeah, because he has. I think he did last year. Was was it two years ago? He's in the final against Scheffler. No, it was last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah he's been in. He's been in the final. Like COVID aside, he's been in the final three of the last four years. Yeah, oh, he's, um, he's so he just seems to turn up. Um, but like. Yeah, I won't be backing him this week. That would be a that would be a tip. Probably want to lose. Probably is probably good news for him. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> Cooper's on the way up. Wyndham Clark, I'm baby, on the way back. Baby. But uh, now, just to echo what the lad said there, like it is. Um, it's sad to see these events go and like being replaced by non-code events. It seems like a backwards kind of move. Um, but the the one thing Scheffler can do this week, which would be very cool, would be the only other person to defend the WGC. And the only other person to do that was Tiger Woods eight times. So it would be a nice sign-off, I guess, for um, for the WGC era. Uh, I do like, uh, I, I totally agree at the Arizona as well. Like, you just think of Tiger in the, in the white kind of turtleneck, absolutely striping around the place. Uh, in the desert, but uh, Austin is a, it's a really good match play course. I think it was nearly redesigned for it. Like with that in mind, at least. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is it five? Is it four or five relatively short par fives? And then obviously yeah. the disgraceful kind of drivable par four. That is the biggest hit and hope or kind of risk reward shot in on the calendar. Um, but it always does lead to good, uh, good matches and good kind of, I guess, decision-making Um coming down the stretch for especially the tighter matches um on the on the new format i actually like it again yeah if lads are beaten on a wednesday they their matches are literally irrelevant uh, beyond that and you have things like um last year bob mcintyre only won one match and got through the group so like there is kind of there, there's a bit of hope there for for guys who mightn't kind of fire on the first day and still kind of want to or might be able to make the most of the week uh, but it is now it's a if there isn't a match play equivalent next year, it'll be a massive loss for for the PJ Tour. So you kind of have to think that they'll they'll do something for it. And I didn't hear that about Awesome Country Club. That's a yeah, it's trying to take on them. Obviously, hearing there's more money coming into the PJ Tour and trying to get some of it. So if it does move on, um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. It's um, also a big week this week because it's the last time we're going to see a lot of these guys before they um, head across to Augusta, um, especially Rory. Rory's going to be a really interesting one because he, um, he we've talked about it over the last few weeks. He's been the best player in the world, tee to green, so far this year, but his putting has been very bad. Um, but he's got that new putter in the bag. It's a... Uh, Scotty Cameron, it's like the Scotty Cameron he used to win his US Open. I think he used it. Did he use that to win? Yeah, he used it at the PGA as well. The, yeah. It's a new putter. It is yeah. a new putter. Yeah, but it's a new putter apparently, and it's been um, designed by Scotty Cameron for him. Oh, no, but, it's uh, a new, new port putter. New new port, port, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how he performs as a whole this week and with new driver as well. He was struggling with the driver and TaylorMade weren't happy and he wasn't happy with them. But also uh, new putter. Um, yeah, last time we've seen before the Masters. Mm, he He's 173rd in stroke gain putting this year. You know, third in the world, 173rd in strokes gain putting. That doesn't... That doesn't add up, and it's Eddie. You know, he obviously wants to stay third in the world for long. Um, the way some of the guys behind him are playing, um, but he said it suits him at Augusta as well. I think obviously with the fast greens, um, it mu- he must he, he he played it there last week, and he said it was it was particularly effective. And and so it's one of those things. I'm sure it's just a case of you know he just needed something different to see something different. He needed a change, you know, even just mentally. Um, that's that's got to be a factor. It's funny, like he's been using the mallet putter for the last four years. So going switching to a blade, um, a couple of weeks before Augusta is 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 pretty significant. Um, he um he didn't change his driver, obviously with Taylor made it, that's that's a tough situation for him. But he shortened the shaft um from forty four and a half to forty four um inches long. So he said it 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 it's it's more effective in avoiding a two way miss. Um, so we'll see how so see how he gets on this week, um, with it because as you say, yeah, last appearance before Augusta, like if he was to crash it in the group stage this week, I mean, it would be it would be as bad a preparation probably for Augusta as as he as he could have hoped for. The only thing is the expectation obviously goes down then, um, which is which is maybe mm-hmm. maybe a positive. I don't think he'll see that as positive, but but maybe maybe take a bit of pressure off him. Yes, he's moved to the new. Is the Scotty? He's back to Vokey wedges now as well. But am I right in saying he's back to a Sim Two driver? Like, or is it a Stealth One or Sim Two Woods? I think no, it's the it's same head. Yeah, it's the Stealth Two driver, I think. Yeah, and then it's just it's a shorter shaft. <laughs> he's put yeah, the Stealth he's... Two Woods in his bag, I think, though as well this week. So he's obviously going all in. Um, yeah, he's tink- tinkering around. It's in- it's interesting just the timing. Like, um, obviously, you nailed there, Joe. Like, he's no problems. Well, not no problems, but it's not a it's not a tee to green thing. If uh, if you can get this Newport going, especially like it is, it's um, I, I don't know if you guys ever done it, but I did it a few years ago, going from a mallet to a blade. Like, it is a just a different fucking stroke altogether, nearly. Uh, mm. I like to change my putters often because uh, I'd be in the horrors and um, it's nice to get the honeymoon period. Although I'm, I'm playing way better. I had 27 putts at the weekend. And uh, for a man who had the yips not too long ago, I'm absolutely delighted with myself. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anyone cares. 27 is, yeah, that's that's pretty hot. How many greens do you hit? A sports psychologist. Hit about five greens. There you go. <laughs> 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 right, what are we saying then for uh, our bets, boys? Dave, what are you what are you saying this week? It's probably the most it's probably the most difficult, but also the easiest week to possibly get carried away betting on golf because like there's so many accumulator options and 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 things. But then you know, at the end of the week, Scheffler wins, um, so it's difficult. But like, obviously, Scheffler is. He's he's favoured for for more reasons than one. He's the defending champ. He lost in the final the year before. He's a local boy, and all, and also he's in the form of his life. But still, think for 
I still think for a, an event that's as unpredictable as the match play, eight to one is very short. And you know what? I would expect him to get out of his group. It's not the easiest group I've ever seen either. Like Tom Kim, Naren, and uh, Davis Riley. So like you know, it's not it's not it's not a walkover. There's there's there's, there's players with easier groups than Sheffield. To be fair, um, so I, I've been totally torn about what to do with this. And like as I say, like you could easily get carried away, and I probably will put on various different accumulators. But I think. Paddy Power are playing eight places, so essentially to get a place, you're betting on someone to get to the quarterfinals, so you're betting on someone to get through their group and win one knockout game, which, you know, on the face of it doesn't seem to be an unreasonable an unreasonable ask, and I don't think it's too unreasonable to ask Tyrrell Hatton to do that. Um, I'm going to go back to Hatton. He uh, he got a place with the Arnold Palmer since then. He was a creditable second to Scheffler at the players. Um, I always like to see players who put well um, in match play, and I think you know, good putters in match play are always are always tough outs. And materials in the top twenty this year, strokes game putting, and as you say, he's been in he's been in brilliant form. His group isn't that difficult on the face of it. Um, he's got Russell Henley, Lucas Herbert, and and Ben Griffin. I know Ben Griffin has been playing pretty well for for a new guy on tour, but lack of experience. Herbert has hasn't been shown anything at all, and I think he's I think he'll get the better of those three lads, and then. He'd be facing the winner of McElroy's group in the round of 16. If he gets through his group, I don't think McElroy's coming out of that group um, for the reasons that you guys just mentioned. And it's not, McElroy doesn't actually have the easiest group either. He's got Keegan Bradley in it, who's been playing well. And he's got Joe's old friend, Denny McCarthy, as well, who's also an excellent putter, generally speaking. As I say, good putters tend to be difficult outs in match play. And the way McElroy's putting, you wouldn't really fancy him. So. It, as I say, it's very difficult to pick a winner this week. So the way I approached it was that just literally like that. Can I try and find a route for somebody true to the quarterfinals and get a place and see what happens? So that's why I'm going with Terrell at, at 20 to 1. Joe? I actually took a similar sort of um, line as well because I saw the, saw the eight places. So um, I think the easiest groups um, of the week. Brian Harmon and KH Lee are not playing well. Um, and then Nick Taylor, uh, the, the fourth guy, obviously good good performance to waste management, but you'd have to think Cantley would have too much from as well. Um, and then the other factor is that the 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 player who'll uh, come up against um, if all goes to plan is Sam Burns in the other group. And I, I know he had, a, he had a solid finish last week for UConn. Um but I think you know he's a bit he as a number one seed. Um, he's got to be he's got to be down there um, for this year. So um, I think Cantley's demeanor as well just looks like a guy that would be frustrating to play in match play. Um, hard to read, kind of unflappable, and um, I think he I think he would have a decent chance. But like ju- like just if you're looking at it just from the immediate stage, like from the group. And then the and then the potential uh, last sixteen game. Um, I think uh, I think he's got a I think he's got a decent chance. Um, he's he hasn't come out of his group the last couple of years, but I think he's come second uh, each time as well. Um, and I just feel like yeah, he 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 could be a man um, at least to get to the to the latter stages if nothing if nothing else. Okay, it is so it is so unpredictable though. It is it's so hard. It's very difficult. Like, I think. I, I think what you just outlined there to me is, is so obvious, but also would not be one bit surprised if none of it happens. Because just because of how of how unpredictable it is. 
like to be fair, I did also think Cantley was you know well worth a shout based on that. Yeah, I mean, it's a sprint over 18 holes, but uh, I suppose to win the actual thing, you have to go seven matches. So at the same time, cream does rise. Um, Cooper? Yeah, similar to the lads. Um, like, how this is in four places is a bit ridiculous. So it is actually definitely we're looking at the kind of each way angles. Um, yeah, I was on the yeah. hands with Dave. Um, just he's, he's playing the golf of his life. Uh, he's knocking on the door and he's definitely one to probably be playing on side, running into major season. And the other one looked at was Day again. Just can't get away from how well he's playing. Just really love watching him play golf these days. Just back to back to his best. But he does have Morikawa in his group, um, which is and isn't. I'm, I'm just not sure in terms of Morikawa and wh- wh- whether he'll turn up or not or will, whether Day will be able to... Muslim, but that's actually uh, that's actually near enough to the group of deck Cooper because you have Perez in that as well. He's won on the DP World Tour this season, and then my pal Svensson hasn't been doing too bad. So that's uh, I reckon. I reckon if you you know with a man of your of your pedigree when it comes to the picks, I reckon you should definitely go for that group. I, that's why I'm absolutely not going for that group. But, <laughs> but I guarantee you, the only. <clears throat> the only reason I said it is I'm not picking Day, and I guarantee he's going to boss through the group now and get it. <laughs> um, but no, I'm just going solid. Um, as you said, Scotty Scheffler, it's crazy to think he's only played in this event twice, um, second and first. Um, I want the fairy tale ending to a WGC, and uh, yeah, it'll be perfect prep going into a potentially another master. So, Scotty Scheffler to win at 8 to 1. Nice. I'm going after the group of death. Jason Day all the way, baby. <laughs> He's won this tournament twice. He's six top 20s in a row. Yes, he's got Colin Morikawa in his group. Yes, he's got Victor Perez and Adam Svensson. But Jason Day is the man for me. Um, so he's going to fucking win it now. I'm going to be feeling it. The, the, lads, the lads have just swapped roles because probably <laughs> Cooper goes for the the wacky outside bet and Con just goes straight down the middle boring I, I was full certain that Con was going Scheffler there just because you know there's nothing to his picks um, but if there was one thing if there was one thing that you could at least say for Cooper is that he was taking a punt here there like you were just down the middle but now it's almost roles reversed and it'd be very and interesting to see the, Get into the business end now, you know. I'm not not rock bottom anymore. So very, uh, very seriously. Uh, is Joe down the bottom now? Is Joe bottom of the table? Oh, no, I know. I probably still am. No, man, no I not, think not as bad as it was. Yeah, yeah it has. It hasn't been a great couple of weeks for me either. To be fair, I, I tried to go. I tried to go somewhat conservative with with Tyrrell, um, but also to try and give myself a little bit of value at twenty to one rather than just going for. For Scotty at eight, yeah, I got a, a sneaky backdoor top ten last week with with my Sam Burns coming sixth. Um, but yeah, Jason Day. I mean, what a man! Uh, six top twenties in a row. He's won the match play twice. I live in Australia. He's Australian. <laughs> I'm going all Lots. in on Jason Day. <laughs> I take it back, lads. I live in Ireland. Larry's from Ireland. Larry's yeah, from Ireland. like this is the, this is the, this is the insight that you know people are supposed to listen to. Is like 
But sometimes you bet with your heart, you know? And um, all I know is I'm top of the table and I'm going Jason Day and that's it. They would actually be like running into running into the Masters now, seeing him at such form. I'm getting very excited about it. And yeah, he's definitely up the top of the shore list now when we go into Masters season. Yeah, I agree. He'll get it done this week first. Right, we'll find out uh, over the next few days who, who's got it done, the, the Australian man or someone else. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us for another week of Unplayable. We will chat to you next week.